On this episode of the Triple Double Podcast, we talk to KOB4 sports anchor Brandon Ortega from Albuquerque, New Mexico. Find out what he thinks of New Mexico sports being affected by the pandemic. He also gets his thoughts on the return of the NBA. Get in touch with the show through Facebook and Twitter. And always leave us a review on iTunes and email us on triple double podcast at gmail.com. Enjoy the show. Yes, we are back with another episode of the Triple Double Podcast. I am Justin Goodrum, joined by always Matt Thomas. What's up, man? Hey, what's up, man? How are you doing? Good, man. Good. Uh, can't complain at all. We're in the uh, thickest summer. How are you holding up? Doing pretty well, man. It's heating up in New Mexico, but uh, getting outside a little bit more, of course, safely, distancing, all that good stuff. Uh, but things are good, man. I really can't complain. How are you? Good, man. Uh, doing the same thing. Yeah, just uh, trying to keep safe and, uh, you know, the social distancing and the wearing masks. It's just trying to do all the, all the right things as we try to get through this thing. Um, but luckily, in terms of sports, we do have the NBA returning. So that will be our main topic of discussion, as well as having our guest, Brandon Ortega, coming up at the end of the show. So stay tuned for that. He is a sports reporter and sports anchor for KOB Channel 4 here in Albuquerque, New Mexico. And he's the host of New Mexico Game Day. Um, it's a show that covers high school sports um, here in New Mexico. So let's not waste any time and uh, break down some of these topics. And, and that includes the NBA releasing its schedule. Um, and the games are slated for TNT and ESPN along with ABC. What's going to be interesting is going to be the presentation of these games as, of course, the, the games themselves. But, Matt, you have kind of the games you're looking forward to. Well, why don't you go ahead and break those down? So, yeah, just so you guys know, the NBA will officially tip off Thursday, July 30th. Um, and it's going to be a doubleheader. The Jazz will face the New Orleans Pelicans and we do have confirmation, at least for right now, that Zion Williamson is going to be back and playing in that game. So that should be electrifying, a good way to kind of tip things off. Because um, he, he has a pretty good chance of leading the Pelicans into playoff competition. Uh, and then the second game of that doubleheader is the Clippers versus the Lakers. And I mean, you don't really have to say a whole lot to get excited about that game. That's the two presumptive uh, Eastern Con- or I'm sorry, Western Conference finals contenders there. Um, and uh, there there will be further games uh, moving forward. So uh, let's see. I'm sorry. I'm scrolling. No, no worries. Find here. So um, another doubleheader. I'm sorry. On ESPN, a doubleheader uh, on Friday the 31st and then four games on August 1st. Uh, and my understanding is that there will be three different courts on this Orlando campus. Two of the games will be televised nationally, and one game will not be televised. Gotcha. Okay. Um, what do you anticipate and what do you foresee yourself as a fan watching these games? Is your excitement level the way you enjoy the NBA? Do you see it being affected? I know we haven't seen any games, so it's kind of hard for you to really answer this. But your anticipation, um, do you have maybe higher hopes because there's not any fans there? You get to hear more of the player interaction? Or do you have maybe lower expectations because you're not going to get you know what we typically see in a, in a basketball game with home court, you know, just the, the regular excitement you see in the, in the game? I do think the comments, I, I don't think there's going to be a whole lot of talk that we'll get to hear. Or if there is, there's going to be a huge tape delay 
so that, you know, if, if anyone is dropping the swears or anything like that, they can have time to censor that out. Uh, so I don't, I don't know that we'll get that like courtside type of feel where you can hear the players and, and coaches talking to each other. I hope we get that. Uh, but you got to figure that they're going to be well aware of that. So they're going to be a lot more reserved. Um, but as a fan in general, I mean, I, as you guys who've been listening the past couple of weeks, you know, I'm, I'm pumped for the NBA to come back. Of course, you know, there are a lot of question marks that goes without saying, but I, I'm pumped for this to be back. I'm pumped that Zion's going to be playing and I can watch him some more and see, you know, what he looks like. We've had so much time off. This is really like a whole new season or the, this is really like the playoffs itself starting up uh, after such a long period of time. So I'm interested to see if there's like rhythm problems, that kind of clunkiness. It might not be the best basketball, which, you know, kind of goes without saying. We always say that like when when teams or players take a lot of rest before the playoffs start. I mean, similar type of things. We wonder how the rhythm of the shooters are, are going to be. And we wonder how that team chemistry is going to be. And, and for many teams, I mean, like, you know, big news this week was Avery Bradley sitting out uh, and he's a starter for the Lakers. So that's that's huge right there for for that team alone. Many consider them the presumptive title favorites. Um, so I don't know. There's I'm, I'm sorry, I'm kind of rambling here. There's there's a lot to consider overall. You can tell by how fast I'm talking that I'm really excited about this. Uh, what are you looking forward to seeing as as the season resumes here? Um, I'm looking forward to just real quickly, like you say, I agree with you with Zion. That's going to be exciting. Um, I'm interested in seeing before the pandemic hit, if the presumptive favorites adjust to these new conditions, who steps up, who doesn't, and what has what's going to happen moving forward. So I think it's going to be very interesting, and also in clutch moments, I'm really looking forward to when we do get into the playoffs, the NBA Finals. You know, with out that crowd being there, what kind of element it's really going to happen with these players when it's really close, when there's a final shot that has to be made, we don't have that crowd. I think it's going to be very interesting to see that um, in either direction. So I'm looking forward to seeing it. I'm a media nerd, so of course, the commentary, the presentation, just Charles Barkley complaining that he has to work in the summertime. Um, that's going to be hilarious. But at least he's at home. I don't see. I don't see him traveling there. So I think yeah. it's going to be very interesting to see it, everything um, from a sports presentation because we've seen different sports do different things. Uh, again, I always bring up the UFC, but they are running events right now. We've seen them bring their broadcast team to the event. So it's going to be interesting to see if we, you know, see commentators there if we see just how the setup's going to be. So I'm looking forward to that. Um, the games, I, I don't have too much insight because this is a, we're in uncharted territory. I've said that before. We've never seen this. So I'm, I'm taking a, well, uh, kind of a wait and see approach. Yeah. I think like a lot of players have been taking the opportunity to get in better basketball shape. That is totally uh, true. So, I mean, you don't, you don't have the, uh, on the court playing, of course. So that's different. But you do have, I mean, like another big story of the week was how skinny Jokic is and how much weight he has lost. Uh, so we'll have to see if that's beneficial or detrimental to his game, because obviously the Nuggets will be there. 
Uh, and he also, I mean, we also had several players who tested positive for coronavirus this week. I mean, 16 out of the, I believe it was 302 players that were tested this week. Uh, 16 popped positive. I mean, in my opinion, I mean, of course, we hope for swift recovery and all that. Overall, I think that's that's a really positive thing because you might build up a little bit of herd immunity before we go into this season in Orlando. So obviously, sure. you know, we hope those players recover well and, and everything goes without saying. Uh, but if if you kind of, quote unquote, get this out of the way, you know, maybe we can have a better, um, less interrupted NBA season. And of course, that's secondary to the players' health. You know, I, I have to say that again and again, because that is on our minds uh, first and foremost. But it, it does seem like with how the numbers are trending and everything, you know, we just don't know how this is going to play out in Orlando. There's still, we, this is very positive news that there are games on the schedule, in my opinion. But I think also on the other side of the coin, there is a real chance that we don't make it to the NBA Finals, that this thing gets shut down while we're in Orlando, if it, if it spreads enough. Uh, and we talked last week, I mentioned, I think it's a really safe environment, like probably as safe an environment as you can create. There are epidemiologists uh, from the uh, CDC, I believe, that are big fans of the NBA's plan. They, they think they are doing a great job of taking care in this procedure. But again, at the end of the day, things are so volatile right now that if a whole team gets the coronavirus, um, you know, we could see this all come to an end. I'm going to try to flip it back positive. Hopefully their isolation protocol is going to prevent that from happening and we can get through uh, the NBA finals. For sure. I think it, it's it's going to be interesting because we've seen other, I would say, sports entertainment venues like the WWE. A lot of, you know, their performance have popped positive lately. And mm. we're kind of in a wait and see approach. We've seen even one announcer from there. She's tested twice for it. Um, so it, it is going to be a wait and see approach. Approach, I think, with depending on which business. I think with the NBA, they're more of on the cautious side. But with money, I think there's so much on the line, and the NBA has thought of this extensively. I think they rather just have teams just forfeit and just eliminate it than just, you know, calling off the season or just, you know, restricting their protocols within the building It's or I guess the campus itself in Florida rather than canceling the season. So I don't foresee that happening, in my opinion, unless the government gets involved. That's probably why they picked Florida. Um, just because, you know, with, yeah. with everything going on, Florida was one of the, the last states to really get on board with everything. So. I, I, I just don't see them canceling the, the season. I, I really don't. Just I just think there's too much money on the line, unfortunately. And the good news for those players is that, you know, if things do kind of hit the fan and things get worse in Florida, you're in a, a strict controlled environment. So it's, it's going to suck not leaving. But, you know, they have access to technology, you know, food, water. I mean, it's it's not the, the, totally the worst thing in the world. Granted, they're going to miss their family. But, you know, th- them signing up for this, they are going to be putting in a very, very safe position. So it's kind of the, the best case scenario. So I, I see the NBA more restricting their measures and tightening kind of the freedoms that they have participating in this rather than canceling the season. But you could be right, Matt. We just never know. Yeah. I mean, you know, worst case scenario I think would be 
we get the the once in a lifetime coronavirus sweep where Celtics versus Raptors. We're getting ready to tip. Just kidding. The whole Celtics team tested positive. Raptors, oh, you win <laughs> by default. You know, or or probably we like delay these games by two days and see if we can get those players to all test negative for it. Maybe it was a false positive. Uh, but you know, that's, <laughs> I I'm talking, I don't know, I guess kind of crazy right now, but obviously you and I both hope the, the season can progress through safely and, and as intended, but you know, things are just volatile right now. That's the reality of it. So I think we as fans and, and the league as a whole, just kind of, as, as we've been doing and as the NBA has been doing with the setup, we just kind of have to roll with the punches and, and use best practices and we do know that at least this population is very fit, very healthy, very low risk as far as coronavirus goes. And those players, uh, like, for example, Wilson Chandler this week, who wants to spend time with his grandmother, um, has elected not to go so that he he doesn't put her at any danger. Um, so, you know, like you said, these players are going to be isolated they're doing the best they can. So here's hoping we get that tip off on the 30th. I agree. Um, if you don't mind, uh, we can move on to our next topic, which is going to be Vince Carter, excuse me, Vince Carter announcing his retirement. Um, what's unique about this is that he announced his uh, retirement via his podcast. Uh, Vince Carter is an eight-time All-Star. We all know him for being a legend in particularly two instances one was a 2000 slam dunk contest the other of course during the olympics where he has perhaps the greatest not only posterization but greatest dunk i i think ever in a game so yeah. really no doubt his legacy is secure in in that there's been debates on multiple sports shows regarding Vince Carter being a Hall of Famer. Um, it ranges all over the map. Um, if you want to, you can get into that discussion, Matt. But I wanted to ask specifically, what do you think of his career overall just from a expectation standpoint? I mean, people always say Shaq's career was a disappointment, but you see how many championships he's won. And he's a bona fide Hall of Famer, one of the greatest big men ever. But, yeah, he's a disappointment. So where do you rank Vince Carter um, is his career a disappointment, or do you think he was perhaps given too much expectations um, just because of his skill set he had? Well, it's going to sound negative. First thing I want to say is that I love Vince Carter. He is one of the players that solidified my fanhood in the NBA after Michael Jordan retired. Uh, I do think there is a case to be made that maybe he peaked and did – most of his work in the year 2000, because that was the year that he won the slam dunk contest. If you have not seen that, please go to YouTube and watch Vince Carter's slam dunk contest performance. It It is amazing. For my money, it is still the best performance ever, even above Aaron Gordon. And, and Aaron Gordon was amazing as well, as well as Zach Levine. But go back and watch Vince Carter. Watch how perfectly... He laid out those dunks. Uh, it's, it's just amazing. Um, and he is the reason that there's still basketball in Toronto, in my mind. Um, I, I don't know. We saw the Vancouver Grizzlies uh, fade away and, and have to send their team to Memphis because there just wasn't a big enough uh, fan base for it. There wasn't the capacity to hold it in Vancouver. I think without Vince Carter, I'm, I'm not 100% sure basketball stays in Toronto. 
so I think he deserves a lot of credit for that. He also got a lot of criticism for the way that he left Toronto. There was a lot of drama with that. Um, but the year 2000, again, spotlight year. So there was that dunk contest. And then there was also, same year, in the Sydney Olympics, he jumped over a 7-2 center from France. And in my mind, the best in-game dunk of all time. I, I don't think there's even a way it can be argued, I guess, it's not on the biggest stage since USA was supposed to demolish France in that matchup, and they did. Uh, but I still think if you just look at it as a singular dunk, jumping straight over a seven foot two center, it's it's incredible. It's untouchable. Um, now, what I will say after saying that mouthful is. I think overall as an NBA career, Vince Carter's career was a little bit of a disappointment because he had such a great entrance in 2000. He had this really, really great potential. He, a lot of people don't know, he and Tracy McGrady were on that Raptors team together. And who knows what they could have done if they had stuck together on that Raptors team. Obviously, that wasn't meant to be. And I do feel like he underachieved a bit uh, on the Nets. And then in following years. So he probably had his highlight years in on the Raptors and on the Nets. And then thing he kind of bounced around was kind of more of a journeyman. I will say he also did adapt into a really smart veteran, a three and D type of guy. So you have to give him a lot of credit for that. He played 22 years. So an amazing career overall. But it kind of shocked me when you mentioned he was only an eight-time All-Star, which, I mean, puts you in Hall of Fame category for sure. But coming out of college, out of UNC, which is a school that I, I follow fairly closely, I do think it's a little bit of a disappointment when you look at the trajectory of his career. I'm sorry for going off on a tangent there. I love Vince Carter overall. I'm not trying to... Good point. So I won't spend too much time on it. I think his expectations were very similar to Kobe's, but yeah, I just think that will to win he he didn't have compared to Kobe Bryant. Um, it's unfortunate because I think in a lot of circles he he had that potential, but at, at the end of the day, I think he, he was I think limited as a, a basketball player, even more. Limited than Tracy McGrady in, in some fronts. Um, oh, yeah. Uh-huh. I, I mean, McGrady, I, I would say, is a once he matured in Orlando and in, in Houston, um, it wasn't for the injuries, was, I think, the, the better kind of on-court leader and relied upon superstar in, in a lot of ways. So Totally agree. I think with Vince Carter overall, I think he, at the end of his career, he, be, he became a really solid veteran. But, you know, there is some room for uh, criticism throughout his career, but no doubt. I just think through his slam dunk exploits um, and, and what he did earlier in the game, um, I think he will be a hall of famer. Yeah. Vince Sanity is a legend. No doubt. I mean, look, look uh, again, not to throw shade. I know this sounds mean. Mitch Richmond is in the hall of fame. Vince Carter <laughs> is definitely going to be in the hall of fame. No doubt about that. I think he has a better career overall. If he had, the basketball IQ that he has now, if he had that when he was younger, because I would say you make a nice point with Tracy McGrady and Vince Carter there. McGrady developed into that 
uh, tactician of the game, and he had more skill as a scorer than Vince Carter, whereas Vince Carter had that raw athleticism early in his career. And when he lost that, it took a while for him to um, just kind of recalibrate his game and um, play a more meaningful role, uh, which I think he eventually wound up doing a good job of that. It's just, you're right. He didn't, he didn't really have it in him to be a number one or a number two option, really. I think if he had been like a number three option on a great team, then that would have been a great spot for him to shine. You know, get 20 points a game, play some good perimeter defense, and, uh, you know, make smart plays here and there, smart passes. Um, you know, I, I think that would have been a spot for him to shine. But he was one of those guys that you alluded to earlier, who was like a next MJ kind of guy along with Kobe. Yeah, I, I completely agree. Um, our last topic is moving on is the NBA. Um, and I want to get just your confirmation on this. Um, it appears just pulling up this article, just bear it with me. Um, this is just concerning the league allowing players to allow um their jerseys to have personalized messages of social justice, a social cause or charity um, on the backs of the other jerseys of the upcoming season. Um, looks like this has been discussed with, by uh, Chris Paul um, telling the undefeated uh, this Saturday about this, um, that they're collaborating with the league to pull this off. And I haven't seen some designs before this article came out about, you know, I think fans of the, NBA have kind of graphic um, design experience. They were um, having their own ideas about this. So I wonder if they got their inspiration from the internet or this is just something that they came up on their own. Um, what is what is your opinion on this? This would be a first time ever thing. Um, I, I can see it kind of going both ways, especially if the NBA are going to sell these jerseys as well. Um, it just can kind of you know, go both ways. But I think to the, the, the demographic who watches the league, I think this is a, a smart move. What is your opinion? Oh man, you know, I'm, I'm so mixed and conflicted on this. So I'm going to, I'm going to make a point just to make a point that you might disagree with. Um, and then we can take it back. Now, first of all, what I'll say is I am very pro freedom of speech. And if the NBA players are, are given, the right to do this, then I think that is totally okay. Um, and, and I think obviously, like, again, pro-freedom of speech, you have the right to do um, what you want. I think this could lead to some weird polarization, though. And I'll be curious to see what each individual player does with this, like with the messages in, in place of the name on the back of the jersey. I've seen some jerseys that you know, it might be like a Black Lives Matter where like maybe Golden State Warriors would go on that jersey. So even like potentially moving the team name around off that. I don't know if that is something that will make it through to be a professional jersey. Um, but, you know, part of me wonders, like a, lo a lot of people are going to be relieved to watch sports again. And a lot of people do use sports as an escape from these issues that are going on. And again, you can say that's that's right or wrong. You can tell those people to just deal with it for sure. Um, 
But, you know, I, I wonder, I think there will be a lot more support for it in the NBA overall than, say, you know, we've, we've talked about Colin Kaepernick in the NFL before and all that. I don't want to rehash that. One of the realities of that, though, is that it changed. It had a financial impact on the NFL. I don't think you have that same base of fans in the NBA overall. So I'll be curious to see, you know, what it does for players' brands. Like if, if they put something, if they get something controversial, like a, a little less accepted maybe, and I, I don't even have an example for you of what that might be. Um, but if they end up getting something through, you know, I'm curious to see how popular brands that support the NBA and, and maybe that directly sponsor those players act. Now, you would have to assume, on the other hand, that they're going to be watching that like a hawk and approving these things before they get on national TV. Um, but I, I'm just really curious to see if, you know, if we get a little spiciness with players potentially saying something on their jerseys that isn't accepted by the population as a whole. You know, I, I don't know. Maybe I'm going off on a, <laughs> on a train wreck here. But what are your thoughts on on this expression and the potential positives or negatives of this i feel you man um i i see what you're saying and i agree with most of your points i think the slippery slope honestly is going to be how much of the money of these jerseys are going to go to the social causes i think 100 percent should um because mm. even when you get to 50 or 75 percent they're going to be making money off you know a social cause <laughs> i mean in a way it's going to be ex- exploitation of a brand of, of of not a brand but of a of a cause to make your pockets richer you know i mean we all know how much nba fans love their custom jerseys and yeah. no doubt this oh, is yeah. going to be a hot seller um so to me a hundred percent has to either go to the coronavirus the um the social justice um, charity of the player's choice. Um, the NBA cannot make any money off of this or just very minor just to offset the cause of making the jersey. Um, so I'm curious to see how that's going to work. Um, so I think I, I feel you, Matt. I think with the demographic of the league, it's they're open to this type of initiative. Um, so I don't think there's going to be any backlash at all i think people that would have a problem with this are probably not going to watch the nba anyway so i mean their opinion matters very little to none um with this and especially the way that the nba has a stranglehold among younger fans in particular um i don't think this is going to be too much of an issue but my broad personal um thing with this is that i hope all the money and proceeds off the jersey sales go to these social causes and not to the nba or the players so we'll see yeah, I think you make a great point there. Let me ask you a follow-up to that. Do you think – I think you make an excellent point with, you know, talking finances there. Let's say 100% doesn't go to social causes, whatever that may be of, of the player's choice. Do you feel like a move like this, uh, I don't know, kind of like cheapens an overall movement, uh, like an overall social movement? Do you think trying to if, – if it looks – even if it's not true, if it appears to the public eye like the NBA is profiting off of this, do you think it hurts the movement? Uh, I don't know if it hurts the over. I think it, it hurt. It might hurt it in terms of the opponents of this movement weaponizing it to hurt the cause. Um, but from a league standpoint, they've always been good about this type of thing. So I think I believe they'll get this right. So 
we'll wait and see, but kind of your scenario, if they, if they do screw this up, um, I do think it'll, it's going to hurt the NBA more than the cost, I think. So we'll see what happens. Looking at the kind of the way the George Floyd situation happened, I mean, with Steven Jackson, I've noticed him being kind of prominent in the beginning, but now it, it to, it's not like he's kind of front and center, if that makes any sense. I've seen him prominently mm-hmm. on a lot of these broadcasts, but lately I haven't. So from kind of a league standpoint, I think it might take a back seat. So we'll see. At the same time, if we see the president or other political leaders comment on this negatively, it could, it could go in multiple directions. It, it just kind of depends how much steam this, this picks up. Yeah, I mean, I can't imagine the the sayings on the jerseys would be radical to the extent that i mean look president all bets are off like <laughs> there there's going to be comments if if there's anything um that's that's in a critical light um so yeah i don't know i'm just i'm fascinated to see kind of the balance here i do think you're right about the nba demographics and i think people are going to be over, overall on board with this um and I think this has really, I mean, potential to be used for, for such a great good. I mean, even, even if it isn't, you know, one of the popular social justice issues that we're kind of alluding to. I mean, imagine if they could get things on for like, I, I don't know, let me throw something out there, random, like a charity for autism research or like things like that. I mean, I think that would be like huge, huge, not to say that other social justice items wouldn't be either, but this could, this could make for a great, a great thing to benefit the society as a whole, like moving forward, like even when we're like five years removed from what we're dealing with right now. Yeah, I agree. I, and I do see this being, if this is successful, a trend for jerseys, um, down the line, NBA, they love to change their jerseys, um, you know, all the time. And, um, I think this could be the beginning of something where if this is successful, I could see this being a long-term trend. And you're right, man, not only for social justice, but for um, other um, causes too, because we've seen the NFL do it a little bit. I mean, they'll turn their jerseys pink. We've seen the WNBA do it, uh, but not kind of custom to the uh, charity, um, like having the jerseys kind of, are with the team, but also affiliated with other whatever cause they're going to do. So I'm in, I'm interested um, what they're going to do with this. I'm excited. I'm, I'm I love jersey um, modifications and changes. So I, I'm very uh, curious to see what they do. Do you think, say, let's say you are Bradley Beal, and you're you're someone who I've seen has been pretty vocal on social media. You know, and and by vocal I just mean he's stating his opinion. Um, Say you you go to Orlando and you have the option of putting whatever you want in the name spot and you come out and it's just your name on the back of your jersey. Do you think that players will get a lot of criticism now, now that they have the opportunity to put something? If they don't put something on, do you see this being a situation where, I don't know, you get like Twitter canceling people or maybe not even to that degree, they just get some heat from the media do you think there could be any backlash that way? Oh, uh, that's a fair question. I don't think so. I think this is just their own individual choice whether to do that or not. Um, uh, but, you know, in this society, man, I think it's a fair question to ask. 
Um, I would say leaning on no, but I, I think as we get closer, um, and, and especially um, as this becomes more publicized, I do think that could be a controversy, you know, who who's not going to do it, who's going to do it, and how this is going to work in regards to, like, the proceeds and everything that's going to occur from modifying these jerseys. And also, are they going to have these jerseys all the time? Is it going to be only for the playoffs, the NBA Finals? I mean, the NBA Finals has their own kind of custom badges anyway. So, I mean, that's it's, it comes down to money. Um, so we'll see. Um, I think it's going to be interesting, too, if whatever cause, to your point, Matt, it doesn't fit within, you know, the social injustice as well. If they want to do a charity, if they want to do whatever kind of um, thing that the players are passionate about, if if they get any backlash or if the league doesn't approve it. So um, I think this is going to be a very fascinating thing to watch uh, moving forward. Yeah, and I, I certainly hope that's not the case. Here's my prediction right now on... June 28th, I think what we're going to see is that teams will put a message on the back of their jersey because I I don't think they want to see, you know, like Johnny Rocket on, you know, 12th man on the bench. I don't think they want to see him getting this potential, I don't know, cancellation or getting chastised for not having a specific message on there. So I bet you it ends up like the Wizards pick this message and all the players are unified with that message on the back of their jersey because the referees could still operate just on the player jersey numbers. Like they don't they don't need that last name on the back of the jersey, really. Um, so I, that's my prediction. I think this this happens that way where the team maybe votes on that. But maybe I'm wrong. We'll we'll see how this evolves over time. Yeah, it's going to be fascinating. I'm I'm looking forward to seeing the designs and really how this goes, um, because there's just a lot of factors to to consider. So I, I'm very curious to see um, how this plays out as well. Um, I think that's going to wrap up our show, man. To ship any other thoughts before we head to our interview? No, we got another great interview this week with Brandon. Uh, a lot of great insights from him. So definitely stay tuned for that. Give us a rating on iTunes. Shoot us an email, triple-double-podcast at gmail.com. If you have any criticism or if you have any questions, comments, want us to bring anything up on the show, hey, we're always happy to talk about it. Thank you guys for listening. If you made it to this point, we appreciate you and hope you have a great start of your week as you tune into this. Stay tuned for the interview with Brandon Ortega. We'll see you next week. Now we welcome on to the show. Brandon Ortega. He is a sports anchor and reporter for KOB Channel 4 here in Albuquerque, New Mexico, and also host of New Mexico Game Day. How's it going, Brandon? It's going great, guys. Appreciate you having me on. I'm in the, the midst of driving up to my uh, my house. Uh, fiance asked me to run an errand, and she doesn't care if I have podcasts to talk about. Uh, I got to go do that errand. <laughs> so, uh, got to take care of that. Just, 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 yeah, just getting home, multitasking, uh, even on a Sunday, uh, even 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 on the weekend. So, yeah, it's, it's great to be on with you guys. Great. Thanks for uh, joining us. And uh, the reason why we wanted to, to have you on, Brandon, is uh, we've been talking to um, other reporters just to get their perspective on on the pandemic uh, once sports stops. So I'm going to ask you this. I ask you the same question. When the pandemic hit, can you kind of describe exactly from your perspective um, how the sports adjusted? Can you kind of describe that day perhaps when you realized there wasn't going to be sports for a while? Yeah, well, when the pandemic really hit, 
almost the entire world, the state basketball tournament was right in the middle of, mm. you know, those, la- those last two days, you know, which is what the entire state of New Mexico looks forward to, right? And uh, especially the high school sports fans and basketball fans in particular. So I was, you know, smack dab in the middle of an event that was still deciding to carry on when most of the world was deciding to shut down, you know, especially from the, a sports point of view. So, yeah, it was bizarre to say the least to be covering an event while the rest of the sports world, you know, was on pause. So those first few days, it didn't feel so different because there was still something to cover. Um, that was, I mean, we were wall-to-wall state tournament, right, like, like everyone else is uh, during that week. So we continued to cover it through Saturday. But, yeah, certainly once we got to Sunday, then it was like, okay, wow, this is a whole new world we're living in. And moving forward, our, our game plan had to change with what we were doing. And, and from your perspective moving forward, um, do you think once we get a vaccine and once we do have fans in the stands, do you see things going back to normal? Or do you think this will be something permanent that sports fans will have to deal with forever, similar to uh, traveling when 9-11 hit, there was uh, more right. um, strict security procedures? Do you see something similar in, in the sports field um, once we do get a vaccine and get fans back into the stands? You know, I, you know, in my opinion, it's hard to imagine what things are going to be like with a vaccine because just from everything I've heard, and, and to be honest, I've tried to not uh, keep track every single day, even working at a news station. I've tried not to keep track every single day of where we are with the coronavirus and where we are with the vaccine because from things I've heard, it seems like we're pretty far, we're not that close to it. And so I, I've just try to imagine what life's going to be like when we just try to attempt the, the things in sports that used to be normal, like just having bands in the stands. And I think until the first professional league give that a substantial a- attempt, like maybe the NFL will be the first to do it. Uh, they certainly, because they're only, they're still a couple months away from the season starting they have not come out and said, well, we're not going to have fans because they're hopeful that in a few months they'll be allowed to at least have half or a full capacity. Um, so, yeah, honestly, for me, until we can have fans in the stands, until um, we have a variety of sports to watch, things just won't feel normal from, from our point of view as sports broadcasters uh, on a day-to-day basis of things that we're covering. Um, but from a personal level, um, you know, I certainly hope we're getting closer to a vaccine, but you know, who, who really knows, uh, how close we are to that. Yeah. I think there's still so many question marks as far as that goes. I mean, any, anyone who tells you that they know for sure, I, I think is lying to you, um, or, or just very ignorant <laughs> from, from things that we've heard, um, speaking kind of along those lines and, and kind of what you see progressing in the next few months, we had Jeff Grammer on a few weeks back and he was telling us that, you know, basically there's, there's such a monetary incentive for these colleges to start with college football that, um, practices are, are going ahead at NMSU. Uh, I haven't heard anything to the contrary. Have you heard Anything uh, locally or statewide about New Mexico and maybe colleges specifically that 
uh, would indicate they are thinking about pacing things back or as far as you know, is it, you know, full throttle forward with um, every possible precaution taken, of course. Yeah, New Mexico State, from my understanding, they have been doing voluntary workouts for, for some time. New gotcha. Mexico, uh, the Lobos elected to not do voluntary workouts to kind of wait out uh, the process a little longer to see how much more they'll be able to do when they – so the Lobos have uh, put in place they want to start that on July 6th, the voluntary workout portion at least, uh, getting in the weight rooms, getting in facilities – uh, things of that nature. But the thing that I think all college football teams are really hopeful they don't have the pushback is the start of camp. And then for the Lobos, that would be July 31st because they start the season August 29th, whereas the majority of the college football teams start the week after. So they actually could get a, you know, a week ahead of their, of their fall program. Now the uh, state government, uh, all, all of the health departments and all that stuff, they haven't given the green light for, for the Lobos to do physical contact. New Mexico United is also in that boat um, from the USL, our, our pro soccer, soccer team in New Mexico. Um, they're still in the, the small group training phases uh, as far as right now. And uh, so there's still some hurdles to get, to get across. There's, there's still some, um, you know, political and, and, and governmental uh you know, permissions they, they got to get through in order to even start that process of, of uh, marching towards the first day of fall practice where they can be on the field wearing pads, you know, working together as a team. Um, yeah, there's, there's still some, some stuff to figure out. But, yeah, the plan that the Lobos have in place, they would start everything uh, July 6th, hoping to start fall practice by 31st. And the Aggies have already started voluntary workouts. Um which a lot of teams across the country have done. And, uh, and, and as a lot of us have seen, a lot have been having athletes and even coaches test positive for the coronavirus, which, um, you know, depending on which way you look at it, there's good and bad that comes out of it, especially mm-hmm. if, the one, if the ones that test positive, you know, recover just fine, then there's some education that everyone gets out of that. Okay, so how did this school handle that process when an athlete or a coach or anyone associated with the university tested positive, how did they get through all of that and then move forward? And the Lobos and the Aggies, and I think everyone is paying attention to everyone around the country to see how everyone's handling those processes because you can only imagine how complicated it can be because you don't want it to spread when you do get that first positive test in your program. And to that point, Brandon, can you walk us through if the Lobo basketball season in particular um, has to be canceled just because of the pandemic. Um, do you, in terms of the hit to the school itself, um, I guess my question is, do you see a, a, a college basketball season still resuming or do you think there's a possibility that it might be canceled? Yeah, it's, it's hard to say because the first domino in that conversation would have to be college football. You have to see what happens with college football before you could really imagine what's going to happen in college basketball. Now, in the last few days, there have been junior colleges that have completely decided to wipe out fall sports, whether it be for financial reasons 
for whether it be for coronavirus reasons. I would say more junior college, it's more for financial because they've already lost so much money from the effect of the coronavirus from the last three months or so. And they just decided everything considered to, to cut ties for the fall. Now it's a whole different ball game when you get into the division one level because the money's so, I mean, you, you just can't compare the size of the money in division one to junior college. It's, you know, it's, it's pennies on the dollar. Um, but the TV money is, is really where it's at, right? With the ESPN contracts and the Fox sports and any other networks and channels that these division one programs are airing on. It's just really hard to imagine college basketball not happening if college football does. So if college football gets through an entire season with limited delays, with limited cancellations, because I think, I think it's possible cancellations can happen, but we just don't know. We're, we're not there yet, but it's certainly possible. So we have to see what happens with college football before we can really predict what college basketball is going to look like. But if we have college football, I am, I'm pretty confident we're going to have college basketball. It's just, it's just, it makes all the sense in the world financially for them to carry on and, and still have these teams appear on the channels and, and get the TV money to, to help the universities. Yeah, I, I think that's a great point. And I think just kind of the nature of the very little that we do know about this virus so far, football is kind of a nice testing ground because it's outdoors uh, at least for the vast majority, or if if you are indoors for some reason in in an, uh, uh, in a stadium that's enclosed, you know, still very open. Uh, you know, one would think that if football makes it through, I, I think you make a great point there that basketball is then keen to try it at least. Uh, I mean, I would say another thing that's going to be a big factor, of course, is one thing that Justin and I talk about every week, which is the NBA season restarting. Uh, do you have any thoughts about what you've seen or heard from the NBA's plan? Uh, are you are you kind of leaning more in favor of them going ahead? I know some players are opting out of t- going into the season, uh, which they absolutely have the right to. What are your thoughts on the NBA's return? Yeah, it's a fascinating uh, last few weeks when it when it comes to the NBA and the things that they're going to attempt to do with keeping all of these professional athletes, these hundred million dollar athletes essentially put them almost in like a college atmosphere when you think yeah. about it. Yeah. It's almost taking it, it's almost like taking them back to the summer league when you really think about it, because all the summer league teams stay in the same hotels, you know, they're all hanging out in the same places. Um, they're almost in their own bubble, uh, you know, in that in that kind of way when you really think about it. Um, it it's fascinating because there's a lot of moving parts. You have the coronavirus. You also have everything that's happened in, 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 in race, right. In the last few weeks and now a month now, it seems mm-hmm. like since, since George Floyd passed and a lot of NBA players have spoke up about that. And, and they're also using that as a reason uh, to not come back. And, uh, you know, and kudos to ev- anyone that is sticking to their convictions to, to things that they believe in. Um, I don't think anyone uh, can really blame anyone for for sitting out this, whether it's coronavirus related or or other reasons. Um, there's a lot of moving parts when it comes to the NBA, and, and I I I've heard and, and agree with the notion in the last few weeks that the NBA is probably the most progressive league when it comes to any sort of uh, I mean any, any sort of any anything going on in the world. You know, when it when it comes to Donald Sterling. 
uh, being uh, banned from the league and being forced to uh, sell his team uh, for for saying racially innocent, in, insensitive things. And uh, this is it's going to be. I mean, there's so many things you could talk about when it comes to the NBA. You know, it's uh, they're they're going to. It was just I think yesterday or today that the NBA is allowing players to put things on their jerseys, whether it be Black Lives Matter or things of that nature uh, towards, uh, you know, social and inju- racial injustice. Uh, gosh, there's, there's just so many things we could talk about with that, but yeah, um, <laughs> yeah, there really is. I'm, I'm kind of, re- I'm kind of scatterbrained right now thinking about all of it, but um, yeah, I, I am definitely anxious to see how everything's going to play out because it really does make me feel like we're, we're, we're going to be seeing the end of the season in the playoffs played in a summer league type of atmosphere with not, I mean, summer league at least had fans in the crowd. We're not going to be seeing fans in the crowd. So there's, there's one aspect of it. We've been seeing soccer, some baseball in other parts of the country attempt that it's going to be fascinating to see what basketball does. Cause there's only, only so much sound uh, a gymnasium can carry with, with no people. And we saw some of that for any, any folks that watched the state basketball tournament in New Mexico, because the last two days had no fans and uh, it definitely brought a whole different dynamic to it. So yeah, a lot of things, a lot of things to touch, to touch on for sure. in the NBA returning. Um, to, to your point about the political unrest, do you see that trickling down to college sports or even on the high school level, if they two were to resume um, in regards to their freedom to um, express their opinions, do you think they'll have that same freedom as the NBA players do, or do you think they'll be restricted? Boy, I certainly hope so. I mean, I've seen people like Coach K at Duke, uh, Mike Krzyzewski, uh come out and say that Black Lives Matter is not political, you know, that people speaking their mind on this issue has nothing to do with, with politics. It's a very cut-and-dry subject, and he's all for uh, athletes speaking up. I think for sure high school and college athletes will show some sort of, uh, I mean, they're definitely going to speak their mind. There's going to be more kneeling during the anthem. I fully expect that. And I think that's just the tip of the iceberg. I think, I mean, just from a local perspective, I've, I've been, since the George Floyd passing, I have seen so many Lobo athletes on the football team in particular speak their mind on social media. And I think as soon as we get to put microphones in their face, it's, it's, it's going to keep going, and, and rightfully so. It's, a, it's an amazing time of, uh, in history right now to see athletes feel like they have more of a voice and, and be more courageous about it. It's, it's inspiring, and I, th- I certainly think high school athletes, to an extent, will feel that way. You know, they're, they're a bit younger. They're, they're still figuring, they're think, they're figuring their things out, but there are some out there that, uh, that are very, very bright, and very educated on, on what's going on and they're going to be speaking their minds. But I think it, I think it's just going to increase on each level. There will be some high school athletes. There's going to be even more college. And then I think massively we're going to see the, the, the professional athletes step right to the occasion and, and say some things that need to be said and, and fight for the things that need to be changed. And I think it will inspire high school and college athletes to do the same. I, I tend to agree with you, Brendan. Um, quick question, kind of shifting gears. Um, over the past 
three months or so, I mean, obviously, you know, Justin and I run, <laughs> run our little podcast. We have, um, you know, we've done things like the last dance reviewing that to keep entertained and keep content come in that kind of thing. Uh, we've watched some other ESPN documentaries like, uh, Requiem for the big East, that 30 for 30 from, uh, I think five or six years ago. Um, what, what kinds of things have you been doing differently over the last couple months to be to continue covering sports the, the excellent way that you do? Oh well, thank you for saying that. And, and you know, it's been really cool to see across the country. I would say, especially local broadcasters like ourselves, figure out how to get through this pandemic and bring content because you know so many of us watch ESPN and and the big networks and they do things a certain way, but it, gosh, the creativity around the country in smaller markets has been really cool to see. What we've decided to do at KOB is instead of try to gather as many national sports related things that are going on and a couple of hyper local things that are going on, we've, we've, and especially yeah, Lee and I have decided to pick one story a day and We've had the freedom to make it a long, a long form story if we want. And so, I mean, I've, I've done everything from talk to the high school students that lost their season in baseball and, and the, the spring sports, softball, track, golf, tennis, you name it, um, to the local athletes that are now really starting to hone in on the things they want to do after college, the things they're majoring in, the things that they're uh, – yeah, the things that they could pursue outside of sports, whether it be a job or – or what have you, uh, to professional athletes that, like on New Mexico United, one, the, the starting goalie, Cody Mizell, he had a, his wife had a baby right before COVID happened. And so instead of him jumping into a season where he wouldn't see his son as much, he's now been at home every single day, changing diapers and getting those extra little moments he would have lost. So for us, it's, it's really been about just trying to find one story a day and, and just dig into it a little bit more than we would have been able to beforehand because we only get a couple of minutes to talk sports every day on, on, on any given show so we've, we've ch chosen to use all that time to focus on one story and uh, it's been a lot of fun it's kind of crazy to think that we've been doing it for three months because the first week you kind of felt like man this is going to be hard to you know dig in every day and find a story but uh, the amazing thing about New Mexico is there's a lot of great stories out there and you just have to kind of get your ear to the ground and make some extra phone calls, talk to coaches, talk to parents, um, and just, just find, find stories. And so that's what we've been able to do is one story a day, find a team, find, find a, a person that's got a story to talk about. And, uh, yeah, sometimes it's challenging, but then other times it's not as challenging. And it's, it's very rewarding to continue to do a, a job that we get to do where we get to talk about sports every day and share stories. And, yeah, it's been a lot of fun and definitely – been eye-opening uh, to see the, you know, the, the way the world is going right now. Well, Brandon, we uh, thank you very much for your time and expertise. Um, go ahead and uh, plug what you're working on, any stories you have down in the pipeline. And again, thanks for joining us. Well, at KOB, we're, we're just we're plugging along. You know, we've got New Mexico United on the brink of starting the season. We've got the Isotopes hoping they'll get a season uh, to finish when the MLB comes back. High school students are, are getting out there for their workouts, hoping that uh, the fall will uh, will be rocking for high school sports. New Mexico game day will hopefully be back. 
in late August when uh, the, the fall sports hopefully do get back. But uh, no, we're just we're, we're doing the best we can and keep up with everything going on. And uh, Matt, Justin, really appreciate you having me on and I'd love to do it again. You, you guys uh, just stay safe out there. All right. You too, Brandon. Thank you very much. Go Thanks, finish boys. that errand. <laughs> I'll try. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you so much, Brandon. Hope to talk to you again real soon. Thank you, guys. Take it easy.